Hello everyone and welcome back to the airport and if you were looking for the one place for all the latest goings on with the British royal family you have stopped at the right podcast. I'm of course your host Omid Scobie joined by the sunny, the radiant, lovely Maggie Ruley. How are you doing? <laughs> oh I'm great Omid. How's it going? The sun is out today in London. It's very exciting. It is. I was just enviably watching your live hits on Good Morning America outside Buckingham <laughs> Palace, where it looked like you were standing in a whole other season. I know. Did you me. see how blue that sky was? It is just all of a sudden. I feel like it's it's night and day. The sun is out in London. Buckingham Palace is shiny and sparkly in the sunshine, and it's like spring is around the corner. You know, it's just the little bit of lightness and happiness that we need to get us through the rest of lockdown. Of course. Well, and you're, of course, covering today's big story, which is Prince Harry's first major interview since stepping away (laughs) from the royal family. Done slightly unconventionally, but in in a way Mm. that was a a whole lot of fun. I think it was great to see uh, Harry being Harry after what has been a very serious and heavy year. It was great to sort of see him thriving and in good spirits Mm -hmm. In LA, yeah, it definitely. When I watched it this morning, I, I sat, came in and sat down in my office. It's early, you know. It's a Friday. You're kind of waking up, and I laughed out loud by myself in my office <laughs> watching this video. And I was like, you know what? Thank you. Thank. You. That's just what I needed to kickstart my Friday. Get into the weekend. Just a chance to laugh and have some fun. Well, we'll have a full deep dive into Harry's special with James Corden yeah. later in the show. Um, we'll also be catching up with the Sussexes who helped. Out uh, an important organization in Texas this week and also revealed uh, one of the first successful initiatives from their Archwell Foundation. Uh, we'll also be catching up with the other members of the royal family. But before we start with any of that, I think it's important to, to take a look at the latest update from Buckingham Palace on Prince Philip, who, as we record this, is currently facing his second weekend in the hospital Uh, this is obviously a very difficult time for him and all of the family Um, but we have had some updates from those family members this week yeah, well, I mean, when someone's in the hospital for going on two weeks like this, you know, of course we're worried, especially when they're 99. So it was good to hear from some of his family members. We had uh, Prince Edward, who said he's doing a lot better, which, you know, I think you made the point we're kind of used to the standard line of someone being in good spirits, mm-hmm. you know, when they're reporting on their health. So to actually have the phrase, he's uh, doing a lot better, you know, that, that made me really hopeful. But again, the fact that he's still in the hospital is just, you know, it's, it, it's very concerning. And I know that we're not the only ones. Um, his family is definitely concerned concerned right now and so we're kind of all all hoping for the best absolutely well at 99 years old it's always a worrying time when someone of that age is in hospital this week Buckingham Palace did actually give more detail about why he was hospitalized in the first place uh, with a statement saying uh, alongside the fact that he remained at the King Edward VII hospital um, receiving medical attention they said it was for an infection Uh, but they did add that he's comfortable and responding well to treatment um, but isn't expected to leave hospital for several days now we're sort of reaching the end Mm. of those several days now and there has been no further update from Buckingham Palace but uh, as you mentioned there have been other family members giving us updates along the way in fact Prince William was out on an in-person engagement this week so away from the video calls and zoom cameras uh, to the Kings Lynn Corn Exchange in Norfolk which is a sort of uh, town centre 
of sorts. It's where they're currently administering vaccinations for that part of England. And he went there to really see and pay tribute to some of the incredible efforts of the staff involved in that vaccine rollout. Um, But alongside that, he caught up with one of the photographers on the ground there um, to say that his grandfather was doing okay. So I think that whilst there must be worry from family members, there certainly has been a concerted effort to not let people get too worried. And, and, you know, like you said, exactly, we're we're not going to to jump the gun here. We're not too worried yet. I think everyone's just being cautious, hoping for the best and waiting for some good news. Yeah. I mean, just after we recorded the last episode, um, we saw Prince Charles uh, entering the hospital Mm. in London where Philip's staying at uh, for a half-hour visit. It was unexpected. It wasn't announced by the palace. It was simply caught on cameras by those reporters who were already on the ground outside the hospital. He didn't uh, make any comment as he came and left. Um, In some photos, uh, people did say that he looked quite emotional, and I'm sure it was Mm. a very difficult time for him to sort of see his uh, father unwell in bed. I I don't think that's nice for anyone, especially at a time like this. We know, of course, um, being elderly uh, Mm. and in hospital during the time of COVID uh, makes for an extremely um, worrying period of time for anyone um but i think the fact that charles went back home uh, two hours away to his uh, highgrove uh, place in gloucestershire uh, shows that he wasn't you know despite rumors that he may be staying in london it showed that there was it was simply a visit to check and see how he's doing and in fact i caught up with the source this week and said that uh, prince philip has actually just been a bit frustrated in hospital obviously there isn't Mm. much to do and we know that uh, the duke of edinburgh likes to keep busy and i think that being uh, stuck in bed is probably the the worst uh, scenario for him right now if that's not so on brand for philip i love that i love that reaction Well, as he remains in hospital, it is uh, keeping calm and carrying on um, Mm. being the bill for the Queen, who uh, continued her work this week, uh, taking a video call with health officials, leading the vaccine rollout here in the UK um, from Windsor Castle, where she's currently based. Um, She spoke about her own vaccination. Uh, We assume by now she has had her second, although Buckingham Palace uh, won't comment. uh, But she said that it was actually a rather quick and easy experience. Well, once you've had the vaccine, you have a feeling of, uh, you know, you're you're protected, which is, I think, very important. And as far as I can make out, it was quite harmless. It was very quick. And I've had lots of letters from people who been very surprised by how easy it was to get the vaccine and the jab was very it didn't hurt at all i love this from the queen you know i think you know what we've always said is that the royal family in general doesn't really comment on personal matters especially not medical matters and you know we were initially speculating months ago will uh, the Queen and Philip, will they talk about their vaccines? You know, this is a huge deal for the country. They've really been the face of this pandemic in the UK, if not, you know, across the Commonwealth. And, uh, and then there was the question of, you know, now once we saw them um, get the vaccine or, or heard from them getting the vaccine, you know, how much of a proponent will they be? So to hear from her and to hear that encouragement of her talking about her own process, trying to make other people be comfortable with the process, you know, this is really a huge moment. This is her um, talking about a personal matter, something we never see her do. And also taking an opinion on something, you know, not just saying I did it, but also telling people that they should do it also. 
Mm, and looking in great health while she did it yeah. as well. I think it was for anyone who ha- hasn't seen mm. the video, it's on the the royal family Twitter account. Um, but she looked great. Uh, you mm, know, f- for a for a woman of her age to have had uh, both of the vaccinations, I think it sends a really strong message to perhaps anyone that is still hesitating over whether mm. to go ahead and do it. And if that wasn't enough, uh, Her Majesty also de- delivered a fairly sharp rebuke of those yeah. choosing not to accept the vaccine. Uh, she went on to say that it's obviously difficult for people if they've never had a vaccine. And I quote, um, she said, but they ought to think about other people rather than themselves. <laughs> I love that so much because is that not just such a classic like mom line? Like I feel like you're getting kind of scolded from your parents, and, but they're right, you know. Mom's always right. It's like you should think about other people than yourselves. It's kind of just such a golden rule, and having it come from the monarch, I think, is so powerful. Yeah, exactly. It sends a really strong message, and from looking at the headlines online today, that message has been heard far mm. far wider than just in the UK. Um, it's we haven't heard from many. Um, leaders speaking out against Mm. anti-vaxxers at the moment. So I I think that's why it was particularly strong news. Yeah, that's a really good point. You know, especially, uh, you know, we we see an anti-vax movement in the States, but in Europe, it's very strong as well. You know, in the UK, some of the numbers suggest, you know, um, uh, currently the vaccine minister says about 15% of people are vaccine hesitant. And that's actually relatively low compared to the rest of Europe, where we're seeing large numbers of people that are hesitant to get this vaccine. Sometimes healthcare workers not getting different vaccines. We've got different European leaders, you know, um, say they're hesitant to get certain vaccines. And so, you know, there's definitely been this conversation around it. And people are trying to figure out how to mobilize people to trust the science, to go get this vaccine, to reach herd immunity, to stop the pandemic. And so, you know, this is a big, big issue. And to have the queen take it upon herself to make this statement, uh, it's really a big deal. And, you know, Omid, I think what's interesting, and I'd love you to talk about this, because, you know, I was saying as an American, I don't quite sometimes grasp the significance of the monarch versus the government, right? So, you know, for us Americans, Omid, like, how big a deal is it that the queen is talking about something like vaccine rollout, like something that, you know, a government policy like this? Yeah, I think we expect members of the royal family to certainly support the efforts of a country uh, mm. during a time like this. And we, you know, we've seen that from other royals, certainly William and Kate have been there on the front line, sort of highlighting the work yeah. of, um, of, the, of those actually in the, in the weeds right now. And we also heard from Prince Charles recently talking about how saddened he was by the sort of variable uptake of vaccinations amongst um, ethnic minority groups and communities here in the UK, but for the Queen to be so vocal about something Mm. that I don't even really think we've heard from our own Prime Minister um, shows just how much weight her words carry, but also the fact that, you know, this ultimately is is a joint effort. You know, the royal family are there to support the work and the efforts of our government. And for the Queen to then be speaking out about this, it sends a really strong message mm. in a way that I think that wouldn't be felt or heard if it came from anyone else. 
Well, Omar, I think the other big question now is, you know, the, the, the future of the uh, royal vaccine rollout. And we've just heard here in the U.K. sort of the plan for uh, who's next to get the vaccine. The U.K. has really been doing it based on age, and they've been fairly successful so far and are kind of moving their way down those age brackets. So right now, you know, it's kind of in the 50-plus bracket, but they've announced that it's going to go 40 to 49 and then 30 to 39. And so, um, you know, while we're in the, the next bracket, we're still not getting to any of the younger royals, but pretty soon we'll be in that 30 to 39 bracket. And so we're going to be seeing people like, you know, William and Kate uh, potentially getting this vaccine. And so I think the next thing to look out for is going to be, you know, are they going to also sort of um, promote the vaccine? Are they going to show themselves getting it? Uh, What that's going to look like? Yeah, I think it's, you know, really important to to highlight the fact that no members of the royal family are jumping the queue here. They're waiting Mm. for their turn. And I think that when, when we do reach that 30s bracket, which... I'm also very excited for. Yeah, uh, I know. We will, We're both like, when's that going to happen? <laughs> we certainly see a concerted effort from the Cambridges, maybe even Princess Beatrice and Eugenie and anyone else that mm. falls in that bracket to to actually share with the country um, their own vaccination yeah. experience. It will not surprise me if we see cameras or a camera mm. or a photo um, go in the room with either the Duke or Duchess of Cambridge as they get their vaccination. Which I think will be great. I mean, we've seen in some other countries, too, there's sometimes a low uptake from younger people, mostly just because, you know, uh, younger people may feel like this doesn't affect them as much. They're not necessarily rushing out to get the vaccine like more vulnerable people. So uh, to see some of the younger royals taking it upon themselves to sort of say, hey, you know, this is still important. You do this not just for yourself, but for others, like the queen is saying, um, <laughs> will be really important as well. I'm sorry. I just still love that message from the queen. It is such like your grandma yelling at you, and it's fantastic. <laughs> with, a, with a side of shade. <laughs> it is. It is. She's like, I see you, and... <laughs> Well, over in um, happier news, Princess Eugenie shared her first photos as a new mom, introducing August Philip Hawke Brooksbank with the world. That's a name. It is a name. Uh, with A name with a story behind it. I think the most obvious uh, nod within that lineup is, of course, Philip. Um, it's mm. not only named um, after her son's great-grandfather, but also of his great, 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 Great grandfather. Yeah, gonna... <laughs> <laughs> um, but wow, I think that that's particularly poignant right now, of course, with Philip being in the hospital. Um, but there has been a bit less talk about where the name August comes from, which mm. is, is a name that I kind of think attracts a lot of interest in itself. Yeah. Um, the name is kind of a derivative of, of Augustus, which we last saw in the title Prince Augustus Frederick. Uh, he was born in the 1700s, died in the 1800s, lived in Kensington Palace. You may have heard his name before because I think the last time we spoke about him on this podcast was when Prince Harry was given the title the Duke of Sussex. Um, he was kind of an eccentric son. He was perhaps the, the wilder son of King George III um, with two marriages that, I mean, listen, this is perhaps not the proudest moment of his legacy, but they were deemed illegal. So although he was the Duke of Sussex uh, from 1801 until he died in 1843, uh, as his marriages weren't recognised, he was actually the heir to no one. And the sort of his own personal family legacy came to an end. So kind of nice to see August having a (laughs) reprisal in maybe a slightly more positive space. (laughs) 
<laughs> Hopefully this is a better family legacy than that one. <laughs> That's definitely. <laughs> oh, how interesting. I do love the history of names like this. And, you know, I, I, I'm curious, Omid, are, are, are royals limited in the, the names they can pick? I mean, if you're naming your child, do you have to sort of pick it from a, a pool of approved names? Yeah, it's it's a very small pool, and I think we notice that whenever, certainly with um, the Duchess of Cambridge's previous pregnancies, uh, as soon as they're announced, the betting agencies over here in the UK will pretty much have that name of the child on their list of names to pick mm. uh, with decent odds for a good payout if you are the betting kind. Um, and that is because there really is a very small pool of names when it comes to sort of royal family history, certainly in the Windsor legacy as well. Mm, interesting, yeah. But yes, I, I think if for those that want to do things the right way, um, that is certainly the way to do it. And even with Archie, he had a fairly traditional name, mm. um, but not one that has a, a huge royal history. And I'm sure that will be the same for Harry and Meghan's next child. In fact, it'd be very interesting to see whether they might even make a little nod to his American or her American side of the family. Oh, interesting. I know. Just imagine you saw how everyone was ready and waiting for Eugenie's kid's name. Would, would it take a week for us to get the name? I mean, oh, I don't envy the people trying to take bets on Harry and Meghan's kid's names right now and trying to figure out what uh, baby number two is going to be named. Exactly. Well, Although they are busy planning for the arrival of baby number two later this year, Harry and Meghan are kind of just getting on with the work for now. Um, we saw the first of their partnership with World Central Kitchen this week, um, an organisation they supported with their Archwell Foundation, um, after they agreed to fund four community relief centres earlier this year. Um, to help regions frequently struck by climate disasters. And construction has now finished on the first centre in Dominica. Now, I'd imagine that Harry and Meghan probably, in an ideal world, would have wanted to visit that first centre. But of course, with travel restrictions, that's not possible. But we were able to see those first photos from inside the centre shared on social media. And the centre itself, it's a kitchen that will serve a school that it's attached to, but also provide uh, training courses for those in the community, uh, also serve as a community centre at times, but more importantly, be able to very quickly turn into an emergency centre, emergency pop-up centre to help those in need during uh, climate climate related disasters and that as you know is exactly what world central kitchen do best and this is such an amazing organization it one it's one that you know we we see often even in the field after natural disasters or uh, we just see the great things that they're doing and um, it doesn't feel like that long ago we were talking about harry and megan taking on this this charity as a passion of theirs and and, and you know helping to build these these facilities I, i'm actually shocked that it, it all came together so quickly and that one is already up and running uh, in Dominica, it's just, it's a huge milestone for them to have achieved. Yeah, and apparently, according to World Central Kitchen, they've already started work on the second wow. location in Puerto Rico. So this is moving forward very quickly. And, and you know, for, I think for Harry and Meghan, that's exactly how they like to do things, is sort of announce it and deliver very quickly. And I, I'm sure they would be feeling a little frustrated that they can't actually travel to these locations and see the work come together, especially when they've been involved in sort of making all of that happen. 
And, you know, Omid, while they were working on this charity that they had talked about in the past, we also saw them kind of just being able to transition and jump on current events where people needed it. You know, obviously, we've been following what's happening in Texas here over the past week or so. And just the, the images that are coming out of Texas and the ongoing problems there have been heartbreaking. And so it, it was... Um, just an amazing thing to see Harry and Meghan acting so quickly. And it seemed like practically overnight from seeing some of these heartbreaking images, we saw Harry and Meghan donating more uh, of, of their money and of their generosity to, to people in Texas. Yeah, I mean, this is Harry and Meghan sort of doing their bit to a Texan suffering from winter storm Yuri. You know, we've all seen the pictures. It's certainly been big news over here in the UK as well. Uh, those images have travelled far. Um, but Harry and Meghan... Um, saw the story of the Genesis Women's Shelter and Support in Dallas, which is an organisation that provides services to women and families who've experienced domestic violence um, and also provide emergency shelter. And they were hit hard uh, by uh, the widespread power outages and the damages that came alongside Storm Yuri, having to close their doors for the first time in more than 35 years. Um, and so Harry and Meghan understanding the importance of uh, Genesis to the community that it serves, uh, wanted to help them get back on their feet quickly. And so they have actually funded the roof repairs for one of their transitional centres, uh, or transitional shelters, I should say, um, as well as funding um, supports across the board for the charity. So, you know, this is them sort of acting almost as soon as they've heard about something. And I guess that's one of the bonuses to actually uh, stepping away from the royal family. There is a lot less red tape involved. They can decide on something tonight and announce it tomorrow. And there's nothing that they need to check with anyone. Uh, it'll be their own conversation within their own organisation. That organisation, of course, being the Archwell Foundation. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. You know, I didn't put that together, Omid. You know, I think in my mind, as, as I as I said, you know, it, it, what was amazing is was to see the quick reaction. There was this emergency happening, and the next morning you wake up to the news of Harry and Meghan stepping in and doing something. But I didn't put together that that was really only possible because sort of they had lost some of this red tape. And, you know, that's not knocking the other royals. There's a reason why there is sort of, you know, a procedure in place when money comes from the royal family. Uh, you know, it, it deals with money that's from the British public and it has to be vetted. So you understand why, you know, there is more bureaucracy when it comes to setting up those types of charities. But it's great that now that Meghan and Harry have walked away, that they're able to uh, use their, their charity fundraise, uh, money that they fundraise for, you know, the exact things they want to be using it for and also to move sort of you know in the blink of an eye they can be anywhere they need to be mm. i caught up with a spokesperson for the couple just to find out a bit more about uh, the background of this um, um and they really touched on something i think that we'd kind of spoken about in the last episode this question of whether they can still serve you know that that statement that was released by buckingham palace um which was not in the Queen's words, but was sort of suggestively put in, in her words, um, that service can only be carried out as a member of, or working member of the royal family. Now, I'd imagine the word missing from that was royal service. Um, and I'm sure there must be someone kicking themselves at Buckingham Palace for not including that. But of course, Harry and Meghan followed up with their own statement where they really sort of underlined how they felt by saying that service was universal. And so a spokesperson for the couple said to me about this, that the Duke and Duchess said to the Genesis team today that their hearts remain with the community, with the families Genesis serves, and with the volunteers and workers on the ground who selflessly provide care and support those in need. 
They went on to say that they encourage everyone to continue compassionately supporting the people of Texas during this, in, during this emergency in whatever way they can or are able and hope this directed donation will bring, bring relief, comfort and certainty to the entire community. This sort of call for service and compassion for everyone. And, you know, we kind of heard Harry touch on that uh, during his James Corden appearance last night too, it's certainly something I think they're going to continue to have at the heart of all of the work that they do. Well, you mentioned that Harry video moment, and I know I already said this at the beginning, but it literally has made my Friday. And so I'm very excited because when we get back from the break, we're going to be diving into it, all of the, the news out of it, because, yes, Harry did address some of the drama that's been happening over the past few months. He gets into things like, you know, uh, why he says they had to leave the U.K. He talks about British media, but it's also just he gets really funny. I mean, this was a chance to, like, see the fun side of Harry that I think we haven't seen in a few months because uh, he's been wrapped up sort of in all all of these drama and news issues. So when we're back, Omid, we're going to have some laughs. Welcome back. Well, now that Prince Harry is officially an Angelino, can I say that? Is that the right word? Yeah, <laughs> that's the right word. We'll count that. Look at you getting your we, United States cred. <laughs> <laughs> we got a little peek into his new life in California uh, with a very special appearance alongside James Corden on The Late Late Show, uh, which aired on Thursday evening. Uh, it was, for the best part, a fun light-hearted segments uh, that really showed Corden uh, picking Harry up in a mm -hmm. tourist bus and taking him around the city to show him some of the sights <laughs> and sounds. But alongside those moments were some pretty personal insights from Harry into just what uh, went into his decision to step away from the royal family. It was stepping back rather than stepping down. Right. Um, you know, it was a really difficult environment, as I think a lot of people saw. We all know what the British press can be like. And it was destroying my mental health. I was really? like, this is toxic. You know, Maggie, I think we all knew that this was in the works for some time. We saw photographs, I think it was on TMZ, uh, of Harry behind the scenes uh, on a tour tourist bus alongside James Corden. But I don't think that we realised that this was going to be such an in-depth conversation, yeah. uh, despite the sort of uh, laid-back atmosphere that they were in. Yeah, that's what I was surprised about, too, especially because it's almost, you're, you're watching it and you're laughing, and then I would say maybe a third of the way through is when he gets to some of the, the meat, right? Some of the questions that really get personal and uh, Harry really opens up. And it almost catches you off guard because it's been such a relaxed interview. But I thought that was the beauty of it because... This wasn't a overly emotional, earnest attempt to share someone's feelings, right? It was just really honest and relaxed. And you almost forgot that you were talking to Prince Harry. Uh, and, and I think it was really refreshing to see him this way. You know, we've seen so much recently of whether it's drama between, you know, whether you believe it or not, or the headlines that read drama between the palace and Harry and Meghan, <laughs> or um, there were, you know, the court cases going on. It's been a really heavy news cycle for them. So to have a chance to just see Harry be light and sort of the relaxed Harry that we know and love from the past was so refreshing. And then to hear him you know, tackle some of these bigger issues that we've been reading about as well, I think was really important. Yeah, there were so many sort of small revelations mm. along the way. I, it, you know, I think we're so used to the idea of Harry living this very independent life. Um, but it hit me almost at the start of the segment where you know, James Corden arrives on this bus and he's going to pick Harry up. And 
Harry, he said that he's never been on one of these buses before. <laughs> that I think his words that he was not really allowed to sightsee yeah, in this way before. And, and it, it shows you how almost green he is to this mm. new world that he has stepped into. And obviously with COVID, with the pandemic, he's really not been able to get out and see much of the city that he actually yeah. now is able to call home. Um, but it shows just how much sort of excitement there is up ahead for him even with the smallest things that we're not even thinking about every day must be um, a new experience Mm. for him you know a part made me like quite literally laugh out loud this morning and i don't know why it's such slapstick humor so don't judge me but when gordon brings the tea out for him and harry (laughs) on top of the bus and they turn a corner and harry like spits up all of his tea and it all falls everywhere and i was like i'm a child but i just laughed out loud again such lowbrow humor but i loved it i loved every second of it i was just like this is hysterical I thought it was brilliant. The, the, the moment they're sort of driving along, I think it's a 405, and Harry's, I think, he suggests to James that maybe he could make his carpool karaoke, you know, uh, sightseeing yes. along the 405 or whatever it was, <laughs> whilst they're, like, having tea and, and so on. And then, of course, so like, the good. bus hits, hits this huge bump and it was a mess. And I, I, I can, there were already small moments throughout the show that I'm like, this is a gif. This is going to become a TikTok. <laughs> like there, there was a lot of meme related content within it. And I think that that shows, you know, th- th- that kind of shows the Harry that we have always known that he is funny, that he gets it. He's willing to play along, be silly. He doesn't take himself too seriously. And, you know, a lot of the coverage over the last few years has really shaped that public perception mm-hmm. of him, even though none of that coverage has included his own voice. And so we had this, you know, I don't know what it was, 17 minutes yeah. on the Late Late Show, where we actually just got to hear and see him. And I think that that did a huge uh, amount of good effort to perhaps uh, rid some of the kind of mm. caricature version of Harry that's being created by some of the tabloid coverage. Um, I know I should have a more profound comment right now, but can we just go back to also swapping our favorite moments? Because my other favorite moment was when they, I know, I'm sorry. (laughs) My other favorite moment was when they go to uh, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air house. (laughs) I don't know why. It's like, and I feel like Gordon was genuinely surprised when Harry asked to use the bathroom or, you know, the loo, as it's called over here. Um, I feel like he was genuinely surprised. Yeah, the family that live in that home, I don't actually think it's for sale, um, but the family that live in that home have are quite sort of open to TV shows coming to visit or so on. Mm-hmm. But I don't think in, ever in their wildest dreams would they have imagined that Prince Harry would be yeah. showing up, not just to look at the front of it, but to actually use Go the powder room downstairs. Yeah. <laughs> And I think that's the exact moment where he pops his head out the window to say hi to James. I'm like, that's the gift. I was going to say, that's what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) It's gold. And of course, that's after that moment is when they um, FaceTime with Megan as well. And we learn the new nickname. Has yes, yeah. we you know we've we've had little insights along the way. We we know we've known for some time. They call each other M and H. Has is definitely a, a new revelation for, for for eager royal watchers that absorb and enjoy every morsel of these things. And you know he was quite keen to talk about uh, their you know their marriage and their relationship as well. In fact, James 
asked him on well, whilst they're riding the bus, you know, what was it like? Or when did he know that Megan was the one? And, you know, he went on to say that the second date was pretty special. And that was the time when they kind of really hit it off with each other, feeling really comfortable in each other's company. But he went a step further and gave a little bit of an insight into what it's like to date a member of the royal family. All the dates become dinners or watching the TV or chatting at home. And then eventually, once you become a couple, then you venture out to dinners, to the cinema and everything else. So everything was done back to front with us. And kind of funny to think about it, right, Omid? I mean, I, I think if you think about it, you, you know that's what happens. But to hear him talk about it, it really is reversed. You know, you almost have to become uh, incredibly intimate and close with someone. And then you can go public and do kind of the normal mm. first and second dates. So it definitely helps explain, too, why sort of relationships may seem to move so quick and fast from the outside when in reality, you know, they have to start so serious in the beginning in the royal family or a celebrity couple. And so uh, it, it makes sense when you hear it out loud. Um, the, the other part I thought was really interesting and something that, you know, people have been talking about for quite some time is uh, the crown. And the one question that we always get asked or ask people are, do the royals watch the crown? And what do they think mm. about it? And, you know, Corden was talking to Harry about this. And I was actually really surprised by the answer because especially in this most recent season, you know, it must be emotional. Uh, Princess Diana is in the recent season of the crown. And, you know, I imagine watching your mother on screen like that and your mother and father on screen like that and their relationship, which is so so personal, you could think that uh, Prince Harry might not want to watch that, you know, might think that uh, it's just too close to home. But he actually says that he's, he watches it. And in fact, he, he kind of went so far as to say he was able to realize that the crown was sort of loosely based on the truth, that it's fiction, and that's why he can enjoy watching it, because it's fiction. And I think what was interesting is he actually almost called out British tabloids more than yeah. the crown, saying that, you know, <laughs> uh, British tabloids are all lies, at least the crown says they're only loosely based on the truth and it's made up of fiction. So, you know, it wasn't only just talking about the crown. He actually kind of threw some shade at the tabloids in that comment as well. Yeah, there was certainly a couple of digs in this throughout the British press. That first clip, clip mm -hmm. that we listened to earlier, of course, was him really going into detail about the role the British media played in Harry and Meghan's decision to step away from their working roles. Um, of course, he's, of course, very keen to underline the fact that they haven't quit, um, that their life will continue to be one of service. But of course, they are no longer working members of the royal family. And, and he does lie a lot of that blame on the British tabloids. And of course, this other dig comes uh, alongside the conversation about the crown, where he said that it doesn't pretend to be news because it is fictional. Um, but, uh, you know, I think <laughs> the, the part that made me laugh was I remember Prince Harry being asked whether he would, was watching The Crown when it first started. And his original answer at the time was that he would watch it up until it starts to involve his life or the oh, life of his yeah, the yeah. family that he knows. And somewhere along the line, and I, listen, it must be curiosity, that has changed <laughs> because he's now planning the next season. He even That's suggested <laughs> who would play him in the, in a future series. I would have loved if he had just picked, I don't know, like, I don't know, maybe like, you know, like Chris Helmsworth should play me. Like whoever the hottest star is right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Damien Lewis must be very thankful yeah. for the press right now. <laughs> That's a really good point. 
But you know what else I also loved Omid was all of his references to his grandparents. For me, whenever he says grandma, I like I don't know why I like I giggle on the inside because I'm like he's talking about the queen. The queen says grandma. <laughs> For some reason, it's just like <laughs> a reminder that they're all family and like hanging out. But he said a couple really cute things about the queen. One I loved was talking about the gifts. You know, she gave uh, his family this year for Christmas. And I think the holiday gifts they always give each other are seem to be kind of funny gifts. And uh, I loved this one this year because apparently um, he said that they, they asked for a waffle maker. And I just thought that was the funniest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and you know he went into he went on to give detail about how they're now using this waffle maker and in fact megan's making this sort of like super organic pancake mix or waffle mix every morning and that he has it with i think he said he has it with yoga and jam which can you do you usually put yoga on waffles i guess it's a very personal thing I'm old school. I'm like syrup. Do you put, all the way. It's a <laughs> syrup and some thing. blueberries. <laughs> Are we ready to share how we take our waffles? I don't know if I'm ready to make that public on <laughs> No, I kind of want. Oh, here's what I want now, though. See, this is when I do wish Harry and Meghan would get social media again because I would love for Meghan now to like Instagram out her waffle recipe. Oh, yeah. Don't you want to know yes. now what's in their waffle? I bet it's really good. Listen, I, I, I say it every now and then, but we have more and more reason for a take come back yes i'm sorry <laughs> if anyone's listening that has any ties can you please just get the waffle recipe <laughs> put it up on a take special you know i i don't know how uh, a how old is he a year and a half year old child asks for a waffle maker but we certainly know that archie is quite food driven um i think it was it Three months old, he was drooling over cupcakes at his first royal engagement. And then when Megan was reading the book to him um, in that Instagram video that they posted, she mentions bread and he got very excited. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'm kind of seeing a theme develop here. (laughs) Yes, most definitely. Although that's me as well. I respond well to food. (laughs) It was really nice to to see those personal moments shared. And, you know, I think there's often this confusion over how can Harry be close to his grandparents when there's all of these other issues um, that have kind of come up over the last year when it comes to them stepping away from their royal roles. And I think that's the part that people often find hard to comprehend with the royal family, that it is a family that is also belongs to an institution, Britain's oldest establishment. And it's of, often that those inner workings of the institution that cause the problems and the f- decisions that family members have to make for the betterment of that institution or f- in the name of the crown that causes the problems. But when it comes to their own personal one-on-one relationships, they're still there and That's why Harry was obviously very keen to talk about the fact that he's still uh, taking Zoom calls with his grandparents. And I love the detail about Prince Philip ending his Zoom calls by just closing the lid of the laptop. (laughs) It's a very Philip way to end it. It is. It's like so fitting. Uh, I think that's such a good point to make that, you know, it's... on one hand, you can sort of have these bigger disagreements because it deals with the monarchy, but also at the end of the day, like, don't we always have disagreements with our family, but you're still family? And so this was sort of a way to show that, listen, whatever's going on, we're still going to Zoom with them and stay close and send each other Christmas presents like we still all love each other. That's a given. We're family. But, you know, there might be other problems to deal with as well. Mm. 
it, it's been very interesting to see the commentary about this uh, segment in the US compared to the UK. I think in the US, there's a lot of excitement. Uh, even on YouTube, the comments have been, I think probably is close to a million views now, but the comments are largely very positive. I think people really love to see this side of members of the royal family. I think we're really into humanizing our public figures these days. We want to know them better. We want to see them be real people with flaws and emotions. And I think that we we get a lot of that from Harry when he shares himself. Um, and that's very different than those narratives that develop often in the tabloids or certain tabloids. And over here, there was a lot more negative commentary, perhaps the timing of the um, the show wasn't perfect because, of course, we had the news of the Queen um, calling out anti-vaxxers today. Listen, I would call that an unfortunate incident because this has been in the books for quite a few weeks. You know, we saw those pictures of Harry filming this at the start of the month. Um, but there was a lot of conversation about uh, the issue of privacy. We, of course, saw Harry and Meghan uh, take on uh, a couple of the papers and paparazzi organisation uh, over issues of invasion of privacy recently. And we even heard privacy cited as one of their reasons to want to step away from their royal roles. Um, but there seems to be this kind of conversation that keeps coming up time and time again about, well, if they wanted privacy, why are they sharing their lives with the world? You know, we have the Oprah interview coming up on March the 7th. That will no doubt be even more insightful than what we had on the Late Late Show. And I guess my answer to that would be privacy is about consent. It's about giving people authorization into your to have access to your life. Uh, not having privacy is when uh, that those that intrusion is unauthorized, and that's kind of where it's often held up in a court of law. It's how Harry and Meghan have been able to win this cases, but there seems to be some confusion over this sort of the word privacy and what it actually means for the couple. Um, people seem to think that perhaps they really are better off disappearing if they want to remain private, but I don't think that that really lives true to what privacy actually means. I think it's a really interesting distinction and something that often gets lost. And, you know, maybe part of the problem, too, is that it's so much easier just to splash a headline or read a headline than to dive into the real problem. And so I hope that, you know, with them doing more interviews and being so open like this, that maybe they'll have a chance to sort of speak their truth and figure out, you know, what this really means for them and the public can actually listen to what's happening and not just try to sum it all up in you know, one kind of a, a pithy one-liner, but take a look at, at really the, the, the meat of the issue and, and look at the real problems. Exactly. Well, I'm, I'm here for it. I hope that we see more royals having fun on TV over, yes. <laughs> over the next year. You know I'm all about it. I'm going to go watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> Maggie, I think that takes us to the end of the show. We are just over a week away from that uh, much-talked-about Oprah special with Harry and Meghan. There has yet to be any preview or any talk about it. I've seen some speculation, um, but ultimately no one quite knows what will happen during that special. But we will, of course, be there to talk all about it um, afterwards. Uh, in the meantime, big thanks to everyone for tuning in. As always, if you're not subscribed, go and do it now. Shout out to the team 
at ABC Audio for bringing the show together, including Anthony Alley for bearing with my many edits. <laughs> um, and until the next episode, take care.